This is Studio Confessions, the art podcast. I'm your host, Luis Martin, the art engineer. Listen in for conversation with artists, creatives alike, as we talk about their creative process and what moves them. Let me share my wax poetic monologues and how to activate your creativity to live an inspired and more beautiful life. That's right, I said beautiful. Welcome to the studio. I'm glad you're here. 2020 feels like 1999 did for me. Does anyone else feel the weight of this year coming? Or at least the numerical presence of 2020? On paper, it looks like the future. But in actuality, it's still a lot of the same. Just bigger TVs that surveil you and creep up in tandem with your phones. The future is now. 2020 feels like 1999 without the Y2K hysteria. Remember that? When everyone thought digital history and records would be erased at the strike of midnight because machines weren't smart enough or weren't programmed to recognize the new century, nothing happened. Our attention was diverted from what was really happening, wherever that was, and we went on partying like it was 1999. Hmm. That's what 2020 needed. A good dance song. Let's get on that. We still have a few hours, right? For me, in 1999, I was 19. Counting on the hours for 2000. It was the year I would run from LA. Well, not run, but move on. Move on from family melodramas, earthquakes, civil riots. I bought my ticket by phone through STA, which I just realized stands for Start the Adventure. And I did. It's one of those travel agencies for young people to get good rates on travel, to see the world. So if you're young and you want to see the world, go to STA. My one-way ticket to New York was set. That I would land in Newark and not realize it was another state was one of those New York things you learn on your feet. But I'd never been sure about anything in my life until then. And that's what 2020 feels like to me. There is a certainty of growth, for me anyway. But collectively, it also feels like we're at a point of no return. We can't turn back. All the nasty from politics has brought out all the shadows of society. All of our fears about each other have been found to be true, at least some. And now we can face this, we either let it consume us, or we use it as a place of departure for the rest of our lives. I choose the latter. 2020 is a point of departure to make something of all this ugly truth. And who better suited to create, to build, construct, and manifest a new world than artists? Sounds daunting? Don't fret. No need to reinvent the wheel. We've been here before. As a matter of fact, at the end of every year, we're shown how to do this. There's a huge iceberg that floats in our shores at the end of every year with a flag that reads, New Year's Resolutions. Usually, people run from it, straight to the gym or away from the kitchen, because we associate a better version of ourselves as a more fit and better looking version. No shame in that. But this prompt, this New Year Resolutions flag, is really a huge iceberg, not meant to sink your titanic optimism or indifference for the coming year, but a huge opportunity to ask yourself a few questions. What we rarely get to see is a framework for reflection and to build momentum for the new year coming. Sounds like work? It is, but I got you. Remember, under my self-help credentials, I've walked on fire with Tony Robbins, I've read the likes of Elizabeth Gilbert, and I meditate. So here is a basic framework for reflection momentum for the coming year, 2020. You don't need to write this down or stop what you're doing. Not at first, anyway. Hear me out, get comfortable with the idea, 
and then pull out your favorite pen, your special journal, or marker a napkin if you're eating lunch alone. You know what's best for you. You'll be making three columns, or spaces, to write about three separate things. One, in the past year, what worked? This sounds simplistic, but how often do we, do you, stop to look back at your wins, both small and monumental? Look back, what made you smile? Did you accomplish the things that you wanted to? If you didn't, that's important too. We'll talk about that next. Think about this for a second, though. Not to show off, not to update your resume, though that wouldn't hurt, but to recognize the things that really did work, the things you want more of in your life, in the coming year, the things that deserve you to stop and pat yourself on the back, in private. Two, on the second column, write down or make a list of things that didn't work. Now, for some reason, this is much easier for most. Are we trained to be generally upset, to perpetually be on the defensive? Put down that bat, just for now. Make the list, but don't dwell. Look back, objectively, at what sucked, what stung, and maybe what even left you a little bruised. Recognize what didn't work, so you can identify it when you see it next and know that you want less of it in your life in the coming year. Three, and this is my favorite, sit up, adjust yourself. You'll want to dust off the residue and the limitations of the previous years. On the third column, muster up the courage and write down what you want for the next year. Simple, right? I'm not talking about a new car, losing 10 pounds, using the phone, less being nice to your brother. No, not this time. I want you to find that voice inside to articulate what you want, what you've always wanted but didn't dare say it out loud. I want to leave this damn city. I want to be a wildlife photographer. I want to leave him. I want to buy my mother a house. Write down these things you would never tell anybody else, the things that need to be articulated to a higher power, a higher self. That's it. You did it. You climbed the iceberg, and now if you were honest, and now if you take the time to reflect, this cold and frosty iceberg we called life, can turn into your own private paradise, evergreen and moving you closer to what you want more of in your life. This might be too abstract for some. For me, it makes perfect sense. It works in the gravity of the world I live in. But if you need a little more concrete plan of action, here it is. Commit to an hour of power. This is a technique that Tony Robbins initiated, and it's literally what it sounds like. Identify what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, or simply what you want more of in your life. And schedule, devote, dedicate one hour to it. Just like that. You want to buy that house for your mom? For one hour, YouTube real estate strategies. Look up first time buying grants. They're out there. You want to become a wildlife photographer? Research and attend a meetup where you can meet people who've actually gone on safari with their cameras. Then leave after an hour if it's weird. The gist is that as little as an hour a week, an hour a day, will get you closer to the better you, closer to what you want more of in your life. There's another great book on the concept by Gary Keller titled The One Thing. What's your one thing? It might be something worth checking out. Hey, why so quiet? Let me know your take on the talk. Go to studioconfessions.com and reach out. Or even better, leave a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It goes a long way. Want to see some visuals on the essence of the conversation? Go to Instagram and follow the show at Podcast to see some shareable quotes from the conversation and more. You can follow me 
Luis Martin at Art Engineer to see my work and look inside my creative process in the studio. Now let's get back to the conversation. The days after the new year of 2000, I felt heavy and tender inside. I was excited and scared about moving to a city where I knew no one, but I had no other choice. I had to leave, which made my decision a little easier. Those four days in January before I left, I was in a chrysalis. It was like I was wrapped in a nice tight blanket that both soothed and exacerbated my fears and hopes because they were coming from the same place. I was very deliberate about connecting to my higher power. I wasn't raised in any particular religion. Catholicism was a point of reference, but I had already learned about the Inquisition, colonialism, and the burning of witches in the name of God, so I knew not to devote myself to any holy conglomerate. What I had been taught, though, from my parents, teachers, and significant people in my life, was to know that there was something bigger, bigger than my fears, bigger than my dreams, and no matter what the awesomeness was, the awesomeness was there for me. I had no idea what was in New York. I just knew I had to be there. And connecting to that awesomeness was the only thing that gave me the conviction to step onto that plane, heading to New York one way in 2000. Was it all peaches and cream? Not all of it. But it was this faith that I carry in every breath that gave me the clarity and peace to navigate through it alone. And when 9-11 came, it was that awesomeness that kept me from losing myself in the darkness when I didn't have anyone to run to. I didn't have any family to feel safe with. I, like many others, didn't know what to make of it. But I knew if I centered myself and stood still for a second long enough, I could connect. The awesomeness would encompass me in the divine and I would be okay. Does that sound new agey, preachy? It was, and it is. If you're listening to this communique, you know I'm not all cynicism and snark. I'm hopeful and heartfelt. Two weeks after September 11, I met my husband, my would-be husband. And even in meeting him, I felt guided by the awesomeness. And I want to reclaim this word, awesome. My shoes aren't awesome. The Grand Canyon is awesome. It's about surrendering to this idea that I or you and us as people are not the be-all and end-all. I'm sharing this because it's a new decade. It's a new cycle in which you can leap forward or you can stay scared. You can stay feeling alone, repeating the same cycle for another year or another 10 years. But don't. You don't have to. Not alone. Step into the awesome. Allow yourself to be that little caterpillar or an atom on the shoulder of awesome. Take the ride to the other side. I sound like the lyrics to The Doors or something. If ever a time to collage, it's now. Before you get ready for the New Year Ball, or if you're like me, staying in, here's your last prompt of 2019. Yes, you know it's coming. Mood board. Let's skip the magazine, though. Keep the books in your shelves. Hide the scissors. But take out your phone. I know it's not far. And go to your photos. Start a new album called Hashtag Pseudoconfessions Moodboard 2020. Or MB 2020. That's shorter, right? Look back as far as the pictures on your phone go. Mine go all the way back to 2009. It's a real treat. I mean, think about it. Even if they're filled with selfies, the pictures on your phone are usually always of things that make you feel a certain way. Joy, awe, togetherness. And yes, you will even have that occasional fender bender for documentation for the insurance company. And that's important too. So go as far back as it'll go, 
Start skimming. Again, don't dwell. This might be a good mantra for 2020, actually. Don't dwell. This isn't meant to be a long emotional trip. Instead, we're looking for emotional responses. When you see something that strikes up joy, concern, elation, select it and drop it in your new album. Select the ones you want, the ones where you're all together, the ones where everyone looked great and no one stirred the pot. Drop that selfie that's layered with filters, not because it's fake or authentic, but because it's the standard you want to hold yourself up to in 2020. Look for the pictures you took on your trips to galleries and museums, the ones of the works that moved you, the ones you wanted to take a longer look and spend more time with. This is your chance. Even include those pictures of the fender benders or spilled coffee on your new shirt, because maybe they're reminders you shouldn't have had that last drink, or maybe you shouldn't have worn white after Labor Day. As long as it makes you feel something, it's important. Next, and here's the stretch. On your phone, go to a photo printing app. If you have one, use it. If not, I use Rite Aid. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, I know it's basic, but guess what? It's cheap and it's simple to use and they print the same day. You can pick it up at the location or they can deliver it. I'm not an ad, but it works. Use whatever is easiest for you. And you're not sending these pictures to the National Portrait Gallery. So quality is not an issue here. When you get the pictures, look through them thumb through them. It's a different experience when you have something in your hands, feeling the paper of the pictures, opposed to just swiping them on the screen. Sort them out. You're going to make three piles. In the first pile, place pictures that you're proud of. In the second one, use the call to action pictures. Use the fender bender, the spilled coffee. Acknowledge where there's room for improvement. It doesn't have to be dire. It just needs to be inspirational and aspirational for you. So use the pictures from the museums or pictures of people that you want to emulate that you've met. In the last stack, throw in the selfies, the group pictures, what you want more of in your life. Now the last step, make sets from the stacks so that there's one picture from each pile. Then tape them or pin them together like a triptych. Put a set in your bathroom, on your desk at work, on your studio table, in your wallet, on your forehead. No. But place the triptychs where you'll see them, where you can activate and visually articulate what 2020 will be like for you. See what happens. Step into your vortex, y'all. In 2020, I'm manifesting some serious magic. Stay tuned. I wish you much love and a whole lot of your special brand of magic in your 2020. That's it. Thanks for listening. If you heard something that moved you, please share it. You are the candle that can ignite a thousand flames. I am Luis Martin, the art engineer, sharing with you what moves me.